Good morning, creation. Good morning, creation. For all of you still at your tents, good morning. <laughs> you know, I've, this is my this is my seventh year. My family, we've come here for seven years. Um, got saved about 13 years ago. Had a radical, radical encounter with Jesus. But before that, I hated you. I really did. I hated Christians more than any other religion. Um, I, I didn't hate Muslims as much as I hated Christians. Because Muslims, I, I don't know, there was, I, I didn't really, it, 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 was, it was crazy at the time. I didn't understand, but now I do. See, Jesus didn't, he didn't, he didn't call us new creations so that we could live as an old creation. Like Jesus didn't call us just to go to church. He actually called us to become the church. You know, in the Old Testament, you have a temple that carried the presence of the Lord, and it was amazing. And then Jesus came, and he was the temple of God. And he came on this earth, and he walked with the active presence of God in his life, but only after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan. No miracles happened in Jesus' life, regardless of what movie you saw. Because there's, there's some movies out there that claim that Jesus did miracles before he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's just not true. Jesus could do no mighty miracles until the mighty God came to live inside of Jesus. When Jesus came on this earth, you guys okay? You sure? Holy Jesus! Okay, I just want to make sure you're okay. You're alive. I love worship. I wake up in the morning and I'm, oh, thank you, Jesus. God, you're amazing. Every day, I've been for 13 years saved. I've been set free from me, which makes me free from you. I am set free. Jesus set me free from me, which makes me free from you. The only thing that I owe you is love. And love does no harm. It doesn't seek its own. It's amazing. It keeps no record of wrongs. But when God set me free, it was such a freedom. It wasn't just for a moment. Jesus didn't say, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down by life. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And then the next day after you came to me, I will give you stress. That's not what he said. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down by life, all of you that work to exhaustion and are broken by this world. Come to me, all of you who are worn out, who like can't handle life. Come to me and I will give you rest. But he doesn't stop there. But that's a lot of times what happens when people come to Jesus. They come to him, they get this, no more shackles, no more chains. And they sing a worship song but really can't worship him inside. He said, to worship me, you must worship me in spirit and in truth. Like without the Holy Spirit, how can you worship him? You can't. You can't say yes to Jesus. But sometimes in our life as Christians, we honor the New Testament in such a way that we honor a book more that the disciples did not have because these guys were walking around empowered by the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. These disciples were empowered by the Holy Ghost. There is no God without the Holy Ghost. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. The Holy Bible is everything, but without the Holy Spirit, it is a sealed book, and you cannot understand it. You can't get it. It only makes you religious and think that you know it all. And it's not about your head. It's about your heart. Sometimes we open that book, and we're trying to find out what God's saying, and we don't understand because we think we're trying to hear him through an ear that's been trained by the world. 
But you can't hear God through an ear that's been trained by the world. You have to hear him through a heart that's been trained in righteousness. You have to hear him through relationship. He wants to whisper to you and he wants to talk to you. And he walks with me and he talks with me. That should be a song. Guys, are you okay? Are you alive? This has been good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ was crucified for my offenses. He was delivered up for my offenses. So that's the one punch where he knocked the devil sideways. But the devil tried to get up and he tried to be thought that killing Jesus, he won, but he lost big time. Because he didn't stay dead, see? Jesus rose from the dead. He was raised for my justification. That was the uppercut to hell that dropped the devil right there. Side punch. He was crucified for my offenses. Boom, he was raised for my justification. And justification means just as if I never ate the tree. Just as if I never sinned. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation. There is no shame for those that are in Christ Jesus. Watch. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How can we walk out this Christian life if we don't know the Holy Spirit? You can't. You will try to do good. You will bite your lip and try to do better things. But it's not about doing to be. You have to be right with God and all of your doing is a byproduct of your being. Are you guys here? Can you hear me? The best thing ever is that Jesus died a horrible death so that I could live a righteous life. But it's not self-righteousness because that would be a Pharisee that thinks that they're good because of their, their works, their things that they do. And that's not what he paid a price for. He paid a price for you to understand that all of your, all of your good deeds and all of your, your, your great things that you try to do are filthy rags to God. Because all of self-righteousness is filthy to God. It's not okay. It's about Jesus and what he did. So Jesus works out 613 laws and 10 commandments. Because in order for you to be right with God, in the Old Testament, under the law, you have to obey 613 laws and ordinances. And then you have to obey 10 commandments. And if you miss one, you transgress them all. James 2.10 says that if I miss one law, I've missed them all. That means that no matter how good you are, if you miss one. So you walk for 30 years and you're doing amazing. And it's awesome. And then all of a sudden, ah, you look lustfully at a woman. Jesus says, it's not just cheating on your husband. No, it's looking lustful with the intention in your heart. You've committed adultery. So now you're an adulterer. I'm not here to point out how bad you are. I'm just pointing out that it's impossible for you to live and please God outside of him. What Jesus did is he satisfied the law. He satisfied the wrath of God. He drank the cup. He drank the cup so that you wouldn't have to drink it. And all he's asking us to do is believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. It's the good news. It's amazingly good news. It's full of joy. It's full of hope. It's, your joy doesn't come from your situation. You're not supposed to be pottered by your situation. You're not supposed to be molded by your situations. No, trials come, but God's not sending the trials to teach you a lesson. The devil is trying to knock you off of the reality of who Jesus is. You know, he can't come up into heaven and he can't dethrone Jesus. Satan can never come up into heaven and kick God off the throne. 
Sorry, it's not going to happen. No, it isn't. But he is trying to dethrone Jesus from ever being throned in your soul, from your mind, your will, and your emotions being possessed by Jesus. He wants you to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Now, there's people out there in the world that don't believe that miracles are real. I, I mean, I've talked to so many, and then I've prayed for people, and I've seen the people that don't believe in miracles get one. See, you, what are you going to say? Listen, I, I, go to, I go to Africa. I speak in crusades. The first, first crusade I went to with, with Reinhard Bonnke's ministry, we're over there in Cameroon. We're praying for the sick. I mean, once you've seen this, you're done. So there was a, we're praying for people to be healed. And I was so excited. Are you guys okay if I talk about this? Because it's all over the gospel. Are you okay? Some of you are not. Some of you are not clapping. You're like, oh boy, here we go. I mean, look, look at this guy's hair. Do you know what this is? This is a fishing lure. People look at me. Oh boy, we need to. I used to go to churches and I used to. To go and I was a speaker and I'm in the back. I'm sitting there just praying. People are like, oh man, we're gonna pray for that guy in the back. Man, he's gonna need Jesus. I'm I'm not promise, and I'm in the back. Then all of a sudden I come up front and they're like, Dear Lord, he's got a microphone. I don't know if we recognize Jesus, man. Will we really recognize him? Sometimes we're so we're so confused with the outward appearance because we don't live from the heart, we live from our brain. And we live from the way that seems right to a man. And that's demonic and it will destroy you. You need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, sometimes you see a guy like me or you hear scriptures that maybe you haven't heard that way. And all of a sudden it offends your mind. And God will offend your mind to get to your heart. You understand that the Bible's not meant for your brain. It's meant for your heart because your heart can take you places that your brain can never fit. So I was at this crusade, and there is 600,000 people on the field. Now, I don't know if you've ever even, like, it's amazing. Like, they pack in. They're like this. 600,000 people. And we pray for people to be healed. And all of a sudden, wheelchairs, wheelchairs start shooting up through the crowd. And, and you might not, you might say, well, I don't believe it. It doesn't matter what you believe. I, I'm there. I, I've, I've seen it. See, that's just it. We have a lot of theories about what we don't believe. But once it's happened, like, what do you do? How are you going to talk me out of it? Once you've seen somebody that's dying of cancer and has like a couple days to live and they get prayer and they all of a sudden are on their feet out of bed eating and that family has their loved one restored to them. Come on, sometimes we're like, well, I don't know if I believe that. But we, look, if I were to tell you if you pray a prayer, if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you'd be saved, everybody would agree. Most of you would agree. But if I tell you that Jesus said to pray for the sick and the sick shall be healed, you'd be like, well, I don't know. Why? Because it requires experience. If I'm going to tell you that miracles happen, that means that I actually have to demonstrate what I just said. See, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you'll be saved, there's no demonstration required. It's just a given. We've pressed into that and it's real. Are you guys okay? I'm probably offending some of your minds so that God can finally get to your heart. So I was in Africa, and I was, look, some of you think I'm a heretic. I love Jesus. I woke up this morning free from you. I woke up this morning free from the fear of man. The fear of man manipulated me and molded me and shaped me. But now that I know that I'm right with God, 
now that I know, I am unashamed of the gospel. Not just some of it, all of it. I don't tear out pages that I'm uncomfortable with. No, I'm, I'm seeking God on my face every day. Because I want to live and be an example to people that are lost and are dying. We are supposed to be a light in the world. We are not supposed to be basket-headed Christians that keep the gospel to ourselves. You don't have to be an evangelist. You just have to be a believer that believes. But you know, there's a difference between believing enough to get to heaven and, and, and enough to get heaven into you. Because Jesus didn't pay a price to rescue you out of the big bad world. He told the disciples, no, I pray God that you don't take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. How do we get protected from the evil one? We have a relationship with God Romans 8, 11, and the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. That's not just for the day of resurrection. That's for every day of your life. His mercy is new every day. His grace is sufficient, not in your sickness. His grace is sufficient in your weakness. So your weakness is a magnet for God's strength. Your weakness is a magnet for the strength of God. Jesus in the New Testament says that it's the love. It says that what must we, he talks about the first commandment. To love the Lord thy God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind. See, the strength isn't in there. Because in the New Testament, you love God with all of your weakness. Because your weakness is a magnet for God's strength. Grace comes to the humble. People that get on their knees and admit that they're poor in spirit. Poor in spirit doesn't mean, doesn't mean what you think it means sometimes. Poor in, poor in spirit means like having a beggar's outfit on. In the old, in the old, when Jesus walked through, there were beggars everywhere. They had an outfit. So poor in spirit means that I've got a uniform on that is a beggar's outfit. And I am saying, God, I don't understand and I lack wisdom. And I'm asking you. To teach me and train me. Poor in spirit means blessed are those. Jesus started out the Beatitudes. With blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Meaning blessed are those that aren't spiritually arrogant and think they know it all. Because if you think you know it all, you can't learn anymore. And when you learn, you think that you're God and you think that your mind's God. Man, that's not the way this works. There is no grace for you. Grace comes to the humble. Humble means God, I... And meek, and I am teachable, and I am seeking your face. God, I lack wisdom, and I'm asking you to give me wisdom. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, I am unashamed of this gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16. First for the Jew, and then for the Greek. For in it. In what? In the gospel. What's in the gospel? The power of it. What is the power of it? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just. What is just? I have been justified by faith. I have peace with God. My mind is no longer at war with God. Carnal thinking is demonic regardless of what you say. You guys okay? Come on, I only have a short time. And then I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to go to Prague, one of the biggest, Czech Republic, one of the biggest 
atheist nation on the planet. And we're going to hold an amazing stadium event. And like 20,000 people are going to come and get overwhelmed by Jesus. Because I'm not afraid of the gospel. I go to Jakarta. And I go to these, these Muslim countries. People are like, aren't you afraid? No, I'm never going to die. One day I'm going to go and put off this tent. But I'm just going to go be with Jesus. So how can you take away from me? You can't. You can't. I have never been rejected for 13 years. How can you take away what you never gave me? You did not accept me. My father did. I'm accepted in the beloved. So if he's accepted me, how can a wife take it away? How can a husband take it away? How can a family take it away? How can a job take it away? How can anybody take away what they didn't give you? Because only God gave you your acceptance. And you've been accepted in the beloved. You guys okay? All right. Ooh, I got 20 minutes. It's like you can destroy hell in one minute. I'm so serious. Like, this is amazing. What an opportunity. Are you guys, are you aware? Are you aware of the opportunity? No, no, no. Like, are you aware? This morning, did you wake up and say, oh, my gosh, I was up so late last night. Sheesh. Okay. Well, I'm here, God. I'm just going to I'm gonna try to worship you. And, and I don't know who this crazy guy is on the stage, but uh, I don't know. And I definitely don't want my hair like that. But I'm, I'm going to, I don't know. I woke up this morning and I said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for another day. Thank you for another day. God, thank you for another day where I get to serve people and love people. God, thank you for another day that it's not about the podium or the stage or the microphone. It's about my life being before you all the days of my life. It's about every day and every second of the day. Your eyes are on me and you see everything I do and everything I say. God, I thank you that I don't have to do things anymore to gain approval. I can actually believe the gospel, the good news, and I can live and I can walk by faith. Father, I thank you that I have been set free, free from me. God, I thank you I'm no longer a man of arrogance or anger or wrath or malice. Because you have desired me to bear much fruit. And my fruit is supposed to be the fruit that Jesus bore. Are you guys okay? Should we... <laughs> Nope, I'll lose some of you. Are you guys okay? Are you guys alive? Do you know that it's not Jesus didn't pay a price just to get you to heaven? Do you understand that? The gospel, look, do you understand? Some people look at the rapture, they look at it like it's a rescue mission. Do you understand that the rapture is not a rescue mission? Do you know that it's a pickup for a wedding date for a bride that's made herself ready? Do you know that when you pray prayers like this, God, I just, this is so terrible. My, my family is mean. My boss is a jerk. My, my life is hard. I can't pay my bills. Oh, my gosh, when I read 2 Timothy, when I read Timothy, I, I'm looking at, this is the signs of the times. God, I, you got to get me out of here. Help me, Lord. What you're doing is you're saying to heaven with me and to hell with the world. So I want you to listen to me. Jesus didn't leave you here. So that you can be an island unto yourself. 
He didn't leave you here so that you could hide inside of the four walls and beg for Jesus to rescue you. No, Jesus did rescue you. He did. The cross, 2,000 years ago, he paid the price that heaven thought was enough to get you back. Do you understand that the cross isn't a revelation of your sin and just revealing your sin? Do you understand that the cross is the revealing of your value? I need you to understand this. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus. That means that Jesus, who knew no sin, who never sinned, who never missed it, who never, ever, 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 ever missed it. He became sin on the tree. Cursed is anybody that hangeth on a tree. Jesus was cursed on that tree. He, God, cursed sin on the tree. God put on Jesus what we deserved so that we could receive what he deserved. You have to see this. You have to wake up. We have to. Guys, it says redeem the time for the days are evil. Everybody has the opportunity to transform the world around them because of the presence of God that resides within them and upon them. It is about his presence. Without his presence, we have nothing. The Bible is a closed book. Without the Holy Spirit, it is not to be opened by the mind, ever. That's why God seals it. That's why doctors and lawyers and brilliant people look at the Bible and say, this is stupid. And then they think they know it all by coming up with all these creative ideas and amazing things that can help people live a little longer. And, and I'm not against doctors. I think it's awesome. But if you think that your mind is God, you are deceived. You are deceived because Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's the one. He's the one. He's the one that gives us life. He's the one that has the words to eternal life. Are you still okay? Can you hear me in the back? Can you hear me back there? Is this okay with you if I just share the good news of this gospel? See, I'm just a guy that didn't tear out half the book. I read every page and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. I'm like, that should be a song. Okay, I got a couple minutes left. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to share. I'm going to share my testimony with you. How many of you have never heard it? Oh, this is so good. Okay, well, let me sing it to you. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. Ooh, here's the great part. From my mother's womb, regardless of what she thought, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. You know that scripture? God knit me in my mother's womb. Do you understand that whether my mom or my dad wanted me or didn't want me, God did. I have to share this with you because there's so many people that are bound up 
because their mom or their dad rejected them. And all of a sudden, people counsel them and say, well, you have a spirit of rejection. The only spirit that has been rejected is the devil. He has been cast out forever, and God placed him here on this earth. And then after the devil was here on this earth with a third of the angels that fell, God created a garden. And then he put man in the garden, and he breathed into man. And he put one, a representative, in the garden because God wanted to raise up an army of people, an army. And in the likeness of God, he created man. He wanted to raise up an army of people that would be completely empowered to worship God out of relationship and intimacy. But Satan came cunning and twisted God's word, which is the same thing he does today. Well, if God forgave me, then, if God forgave you, he says this, if God forgave you, then why are you still thinking about it? It's the devil. Don't listen. So we're like, well, if God really removed your past, then why are you still dwelling in it? Don't listen. Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice, and the strangers, they will not follow. You have to know the shepherd's voice. It's relationship. It's intimacy. When man fell in the garden, it's because they, they obeyed the voice of another, a stranger's voice. The devil said, did God really say that if you eat this fruit, he just knows that if you eat it, you'll be like him. They were already like him. God created man in his image. That means they were already made like God. They were created in the image of God. So Satan tried to get them to do something to prove who they already were. He tried to do it to Jesus. He said, if you are the son of man, then change these stones into bread. Jesus says, oh. Man doesn't live by bread, but by every word that came from God. Because in the river Jordan, God spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now he's out in the wilderness. And the last thing he heard God say was, you're my son that I'm well pleased with. And God is saying to us that we are his children that he is well pleased with. Believe the good news. Don't let the devil torment you. So when I was born, my dad just came back from Vietnam. I am 47. Praise the Lord. But I'm 13 in the kingdom. So my dad and my mom came together. My mom and my dad weren't thinking, let's have a baby. My dad was thinking, you look good. I thought we should talk about this. Listen, all of you are here because two people came together. There's only one that was born another way, and his name was Jesus. But when my mom and my dad came together, there were 88 million chances of me going up a birth canal headed for an egg. Little kids are here. You should teach them so that the world doesn't. You guys all right? Don't cover their ears. What are you doing? Don't listen, honey. You better listen or they're going to learn from TV, from movies, from all that stuff that's just twisted. So my mom and my dad came together. There are 88 million chances of me going up a birth canal. Can you see me? Headed for the egg. And there are 79 million. Are you guys with me? Let's just go with an even number. 80 million chances of me. 80 million other. Only one. Me. 
One chance. One in 80 million. There's 79,999,999 other chances headed for the egg. They are trying to get in. They have jackhammers. They have sledgehammers. They are trying to get in the egg. It's natural instinct. Do you understand the odds? What are the odds? 80 million to one. And I'm probably off by a million, but either way, it's a pretty good example. So when I get there, jackhammers, sledgehammers, they're all up there trying to get in. But when I get there, they part like the Red Sea. It's so crazy. It's and all of a sudden, in the egg, I would jump down there, but I would probably hurt myself. I jump inside the egg. I'm in there. I don't have a tool. I don't have a hammer. I don't have a saw. I just have destiny. But I don't know it yet, but my father does. So here I am inside the egg, and outside the egg, who let them by? How'd they get through? What's going on? Who pushed me out of the way? And from inside the egg, because my mind has not been trained by the world yet. From inside the egg, I say, sorry guys, I was predestined before the foundation of the world. And that's all of your lives, and that's everybody that's here. So no matter what happened after that, God redeemed me from my mother's womb. Come on. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because I am a child of God. It's true. So 22 years I lived as a drug addict. At 12 I got put into a boy's home. Or 11. And by 12 I was fully addicted. At 17 I joined the military to straighten my life out. I went to the Marine Corps because they were looking for a few good men. I thought maybe this could change. I went to boot camp and I was drug free. Because you ain't doing drugs in boot camp. And I came out, and I was like a machine. But my brain had been washed by the wrong substance. When I came out, I started partying with everybody. And then soon I'm like, I don't want to be here. And they were like, well, you have to be here. I'm like, no, I don't. See ya. And I went AWOL from the military. It's called unauthorized absence. And I went and hid out in the Rocky Mountains. It was amazing. I was above everybody. Except that didn't last for long. Then I got arrested, and I got put in jail, and I got extradited across the U.S., and I got put into military prison. I was in there for about five and a half months. I got out of the brig, and I'm like, I don't want to be here. And they said, well, it's going to take a year and a half for your discharge to come in. I said, well, all right. See you later. And I went AWOL again. And I ran out to Colorado, and I lasted out there for a year. Then I got busted, and I got put in jail, and I got an orange jumpsuit, and I got put back in a plane and brought back to the military prison. And I was in military prison down there for five and a half months, man, by grace, because I should have been a lot longer. I should have went to Leavenworth, but I didn't. And they kicked me out and gave me a bad conduct discharge. And then I came out of there, and I didn't know what to do. And you can't really put that on your resume, because not many people want to hire you. 
So what do you do? You sell drugs. You do drugs. So I'm totally addicted. I met a girl in a bar. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to trick her into thinking I'm amazing. So we moved in together. And a year and a half into our life, she gets pregnant and delivers our daughter. A year and a half later, we deliver our daughter. And when my daughter was born, I had no idea how to be a dad. And so I became suicidal and done with my life. And so I thought, if they leave, I'm done. And so I stayed in this place of torment for seven and a half years of my daughter's life. And I told my girl, if she left me, I would kill her. And I would kill whoever she's with, and I'd kill myself. And I thought that way, and people do it every day. It's selfishness. It's the wisdom of the world. It's demonic strategy. She stayed with me. And then one night I come home, and she's gone. And I drove to her stepdad's house to get a rifle. And instead of going to the gun cabinet, I opened a phone book, and it opened to churches. I didn't want to go to a church because they were all hypocrites there. But I drove to this church, and I let this guy have it. And then he let me have it in love, and he shared the gospel. And I said, dude, what is wrong with you? And he said, that's what's right. It's, it's not what's wrong. It's what's been made right. I'm like, come on, man. You're crazy. And he said, look, you need to give your life to somebody that wants it. And I said, who would want my life? Like, this is so dumb. How could a dead guy 2,000 years ago want my life? And he said, that's just it. He's alive. I'm like, come on, man. Whatever, dude. If he wants my life, he can have it. He's like, amen. I'm like, what is that? What is amen? Like, I don't know that language. So all of a sudden, I go home and I call my daughter and said, tell mommy that daddy found God. Tell mommy. She goes, what's he like, dad? I said, I have no idea. But there's a guy that I met today that claims to and something's in his eye. Something's different. So that night, I put my daughter to bed and I'm out on a coke binge. First night. God didn't call me to be a confessing Christian. He called me to be a disciple. But I didn't know what that meant. So I'm out. Another binge, another binge. Five and a half months later, same stuff. Um, oh, Jesus. But no relationship. And I went out, man. I picked up a drug dealer from New York. And I ripped him off. Told him I was a cop. And he got out of the car and he unloaded a 9 millimeter at me from 10 feet away. And I heard a voice say, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? I had no idea what that meant. All I know is he spared my life. And I went home that night. No bullets were in my car. None of the bullets hit my car. People were like, well, I don't believe it. That's too bad I was there. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this thing hit me that he's real. And I went away to a program called Teen Challenge. Lost my girl, lost my daughter, lost everything. I went to this program, and three nights in a row I had encounters with Jesus in there. And the Bible opened up to me. It's the first book that I can actually understand. It's crazy. And I came home. Ten months early, and I went home, and I realized I was a daddy. For the first time, I, I realized that my daughter was my daughter, and I was her father, and I didn't know ever before what it meant to be a dad. But that day, I, I knew I was a dad. I told my daughter how sorry I was, and my girlfriend was in that house, and she came out, and I said, I'm so sorry. And when she came out, she told me that when, she, when I went away, she had an encounter with Jesus. That's crazy. I need my girl to come out here. Jackie, where are you? Heidi. Are you here? She might be hiding. I told her I'd bring her up here. Anyway. Whoa. Come on. Come here, Jackie. Where's she at? She's down there, right there. So we got married four days later. Married. So here's the deal. 
We now have four kids. Our oldest is 20. We have an 11-year-old. We have a 6-year-old and a little son that we adopted a year ago that was born addicted to heroin. He's completely healed. Listen. There are people here that haven't fully surrendered to Jesus. And, and it's no joke. And what you heard today is just a life that's been inspired by God and been transformed by the renewing of my mind. So look, I'm going to ask you this. Because there are people here that are not full on for Jesus. But I'm asking you, if you're willing to commit to a life that's fully surrendered to God, I need you out there to stand up. If that's you. You don't have to be surrendered. You can still sit. But if you want to fully surrender to the King of Kings and fully give your life to God, I need you to stand up right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, I'm asking you for a fully committed life. I'm asking you to stop living for you and to fully commit to Jesus. If that's you, I need you on your feet. I want you to say this right now, in the name of Jesus. No, 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 I want everybody. Look, are you Christians or not? Do you think there's a harm? Some people don't stand like, well, I'm already a Christian. I don't need to. No, I didn't ask you if you're already a Christian. I asked you if you'd like to fully surrender and fully submit to Jesus and stop living for yourself. That's all. Come on. I'm on my feet. Do you understand that this is a daily walk? I want you to say this. Lord Jesus, I fully give this life to you. I believe. You died for me, and you rose from the dead for me. You forgave me and washed away my sin. I give this life back to you and fully surrender in the name of Jesus. Now put your hand on somebody's shoulder real quick. We're just going to do something real quick, and then I got to go. I want you to say this, in the name of Jesus, I command sickness to leave, head be healed, neck be healed, come on say it, it's okay to say it, shoulders be healed, elbows be healed, wrists be healed, discs be healed, sciatic nerve be loosed. Knees be healed, heart be healed, stomach, organs, liver, every cell from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet be healed in Jesus' name. Now I want everybody to check your body physically all over the place right now. Just check. Shoulders, necks, back, head and shoulders, knees and toes. Check. Right now. If you feel breakthrough in your physical body, wave both hands over your head right now. No, no, no. I want you guys to see this. Look out there. If you have physical breakthrough in your physical body where healing has touched you right now, just in this couple of seconds, raise both hands over your head and wave them. 
guys, I love you. Creation, you're amazing. I'm coming back just to worship with everybody next year and bringing my whole family. I love you guys. Live for Jesus.